Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. we talked about your preoccupation with sin. How many were delivered this week from their preoccupation with sin? Anybody here? Your preoccupation. Some of you are still in your sin, huh? I really want God to use me and his word to help you really enjoy who you are in Christ Jesus. And so if you're fiddling around with and you're preoccupied with sin, you aren't going to enjoy God. So the title of this morning's message is Real Freedom. Real Freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 reminds us, where the what? Spirit of the Lord, there is what? Freedom. And all those in Christ Jesus know about that. And so in Romans chapter 8... The Holy Spirit was mentioned one time between chapters 1 and chapter 7. Then we get to chapter 8. Over 20 times what we sang a while ago about the Holy Spirit, the who we need to be focused on, not the how, but the who. Remember the owl and the Indian. You want to be the owl. The who. If you focus on the who, the Holy Spirit you focus on Jesus, you will experience real freedom, mentioned over 20 times in Romans chapter 8. And so we're going to look at what real freedom looks like. We're thinking about there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no obligation to the flesh, but you're obligated to the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at these two things first. I won't give you the last two, so hang in there while we get around to that. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1 through 4. We're going to read the whole chapter. Are you ready? Not right now. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We're going to stop there. No preacher, no student of the Bible can just rattle on reading without stopping to make some comments of what Jesus is actually saying. So in order for you and me to really understand what God is saying to you and me, that there is now no condemnation. I felt the heavy hand of condemnation on me when I was lost. Do you remember that? I remember about to die and I'm going, oh no, oh no. I feel the weight. I'm crushed. There's no hope. There's no escape. I've felt that heavy hand before. So I know what it means when God says, there is now, Ron Bramus, no condemnation. None whatsoever. In order to understand that, many of you have been brought up in a great Christian home. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. You may not understand quite as much of those who have been saved after 20, 30, 40. Remember, God said, those who have been saved from much what? Love much. So, 
Let me reminisce just a little bit so that you will better appreciate what God is telling you and me before we move on in Romans chapter 8. The Bible we know is a book offering good news of salvation from sin. But it also is a book that presents the bad news of condemnation for sin. People don't want to go to church to feel condemned. They want to go to church to what? Feel good. That's why they go to church. And if they can't find the preacher to make them feel good, they're going to go out fishing to make them feel good. They're going to go out to the golf course to make them feel good. They're going to sleep in to make them feel good. But they don't want to be under the lamp heat of the Holy Spirit convicting them of sin. And that's exactly what the Bible does. So when you open up the Bible with your lost friends, please understand, they're going to get, they're going to get uncomfortable. So why are we trying to make our churches so comfortable that the lost feel comfortable in this place? What Can I get a few amens out of that? Why are we doing that? That's not our job as pastors and believers who are worshiping God. Hey, all lost people, come in here. This is the place you want to be. And they're saying, heck no, I don't want to be in here because it convicts me. It condemns me. I don't want to hear that. Okay, I better turn down the volume. I think someone just spoke in my ear. Okay. The Bible tells us all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, that means you. That means your grandma. That means your daddy. That means your mama. It even means your doggy. Yes, they're fallen creatures. We'll learn about that in a minute. Yes, my lovely wife who loves dogs. Because of the universal and innate, innate sinfulness of all believers, we're all under God's condemnation. Now, this is before salvation. And by nature, our children of wrath. Remember, we're building a case for, wow, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. We're building a case. It's like many people in America. They don't, don't understand what our forefathers went through. To enjoy the, fee- the freedom to say anything they want that comes out of their mouths. They don't understand where they got that freedom from. And we sometimes don't understand where we got that mercy from. And what we did. And why God gave it to us. So, man is not simply influenced by sin... He is completely overpowered by sin. That's why I've had to turn off the TV lately in the last year and a half. All I've seen on television over and over and over again is hate, murder, lying, cheating, deceptiveness. To where we can't stand it. It it will start to drip into our brains and our hearts and our minds. We can't stand that. God's delivered us from that. So just turn the button off, and you'll be a lot better off. We're completely overpowered by it, and no one can escape. No one can escape its dominance. No one. Sin is a defiling disease that corrupts every person. I can smell a sinner. Can you smell a sinner? It's like a bad B.O., Even when they speak, their breath smells a sinner. I'm kind of helping you to understand how God sees things. 
not how man sees things, because man thinks he's good. Sin is a defiling disease that corrupts every person, degrades every individual, agitates every soul. It steals peace and joy from the heart and replaces them with trouble and pain. Sin is implanted in every human heart. Yes, everyone has COVID sin. And there's no, no shot that's going to deliver you from that except the shot of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. It is a deadly force that brings universal depravity that no man can cure, no religion, no law, no churchiosity can cure that disease. Sin places us under the power of sin. And Jesus declared that Satan is the spiritual father of every unbeliever. It is tough sometimes when I'm in my office talking to people who are wondering, should they be dating this person or living with this person? And they're saved. It is hard to tell them that Satan's in the house. The devil's in the house. How would you like to be married to the devil or living with the devil? I lived with him for a long time, and it's a miserable place to be. So quit thinking about missionary dating. I've I've done that. I I saw a girl I liked one time. The day I met her, praise God, I led her to Jesus Christ that day. And was going to marry her until my lovely wife came along and, and stole my heart. But I was going to marry her because I led her to Jesus Christ. I got snowed in at her house. Instead of having sex, I told her about the Savior. Oh, please, see that two S's are swapped, okay? I told her about Jesus. I did. It was tempting. But then I said, what am I in this house for? We were snowed in. It just snow just kept coming in. And told her all about Jesus on that couch. And she's been living for Jesus as far as I know. Sin places us under the power of sin. And then he said something else about it. All humankind is born in bondage to pain, disease, and death. We see it all around us. That's why we can't wait for Jesus to come back in the clouds. Because of sin, fallen men are heirs of God's judgment. I don't know about you. I feared God's judgment. I don't care how tough you are. Unless you're drugged up on the deathbed. I've heard doctors tell stories, horror stories, of men and women before they had morphine that didn't know Jesus. That they've declared that men have literally dug holes in the concrete walls because they saw what was coming. They knew what was inevitable. Because God has put it in the hearts of every man and woman. He has put eternity in the hearts of every man and woman. Because of sin, the unsaved have no future to look forward to except eternal damnation and hell. You know that and I know that. 
the destiny. Their destiny is the second death. We never talk about that. So when I hear about someone committing suicide or I hear about someone dying that's lost, they're in agony and pain, all I can think about is this is way better than where they're going. I wish to God that I would have the power to convert many, many people, but it is the Holy Spirit's job. It is the Holy Spirit's job. You and me want to be ready to share our faith with them, but we know their destiny. It's the second death, eternal separation from light and God. It's the second death. It's the lake of fire, and it's judgment without mercy. We just sang that song a while ago, and we praise God for that mercy, but they will have no mercy at the judgment seat of God, none whatsoever. Pain without remission. You know, we don't like much pain, and we got a drug for every single pain today, don't we? I don't like much pain. Thankful for all the medication that God's given us through doctors. That's the plight of every single human being on the face of this earth. The loss will be in outer darkness. And Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever and ever and ever and ever. I cannot get that out of my mind. The destiny of our friends, our family members, our co-workers, our neighbors. As already noted, the Bible is an extremely condemnatory book. And the book of Romans is far from being an exception. Paul has already established that the entire human race, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles, are lost and under sin. Again, he declares there is none righteous, no, not one. I'm not happy to say that. That's just the facts. There is none that does good, no, not one. Their tongues, with their tongues, they keep deceiving. That destruction and misery are in their past, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's what the scripture teaches. Such is the condition of every individual born. It makes you wonder why we want to have children. Our work is cut out for us, parents. Your number one job is your children. I know I wanted a large church and I wanted to go on to be famous or I wanted to be in the movies. I'm so glad God did not allow me to do those things. I'm so happy that my children are saved and now my grandchildren are starting to be saved. Amen. Praise God. Paul proclaims in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, the unspeakable, wonderful truth about those by grace working through faith belong to Jesus. He proclaims to believers the thrilling promise that fills the heart with immeasurable joy and hope. Some have called Romans... Chapter 8, verse 1, the most helpful verse in the entire Bible. It is bewildering to think that any thinking mind or searching soul would not run with eagerness to receive such divine provisions. 
But perhaps the greatest tragedy of sin is that it blinds the sinners to the life-giving promise of God and disposes him to trust in the false death-giving allurements of Satan. Let me say that one more time. Perhaps the greatest tragedy of sin is that it blinds the sinner to the life-giving promises of God and predisposes him to trust in the false death-giving allurements of Satan. In presenting God's salvation promise to believers, Paul focuses on its reality of real freedom. He says in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation, there is no obligation, there is no frustration even though there is pain and suffering, and there is no separation from God. Let's look again at Romans chapter 8. Now you understand how we could sing it from the rooftops, how we can yell it and scream it, and how we can say, take that, Satan, I'm free. There's real freedom. God said there is absolutely no condemnation. I want you to walk out of this place and remember that. No matter how many times Satan hounds you, come back at him again and again and again and again. There's no condemnation. Go into a happy dance if you have to. There's no condemnation. He's trying to condemn all of you. I know what it feels like. Jesus saved you. He saved you from that world. You sin. You start to feel bad. He tries to drag you in the mud and the dirt again. But you need to come out and yell, I'm free at last. I'm free. I have experienced real freedom in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation on you, believer. So start acting like it. Stop heading your head low. Stop praying, I'm just a sinner. You're a saint that has sinned. You're not a sinner trying to be a saint. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans 5, 6, and 7, and 8. Remember Romans 5. You've been justified. The penalty of sin has been paid in full. He didn't say just before you got saved. That's what the devil wants you to believe. It's after you get saved, too. And then in chapter 6, he reminds all of us that the power of sin has been broken all those in Christ Jesus know that because we were controlled by sin. Didn't you try to stop sinning when you were an unbeliever? I tried to stop sinning. I tried to stop stealing, and I couldn't stop stealing until I got saved. I tried to stop lying, but I couldn't stop lying. I was under the power of the liar and I couldn't break free. The second I got saved, the power of God came in me by divine revelation. And the Holy Spirit baptized me in the family of God. And the lying tongue flew. It left me. And I was no longer a liar. I experienced it immediately because I knocked on doors and said, hey, I'm just selling magazines when I used to be a con. That was my CB handle. Ron the Con. How many remember CBs? That's way before your days. It used to be Ron the Con. 
And it left me. You can, you have experienced it, believers. You know what I'm talking about. We've been set free from the power of sin. We're not just preaching something. We're not trying to sound eloquent. We have experienced there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. He tells us in that verse, there really is no punishment. I always worried about punishment because my dad was a strong man. And I worried about offending my dad. There was a fear from mom and dad's back in the day. I don't see that too much anymore. But back in the day, there was a fear of mom and dad. And there was a fear of teachers. May have told you this story before. You guys like stories, right? Okay, amen. I remember a story where I told one lie to a teacher. I know a lot of you have lied to your teacher before. I studied all night. I never cheated. When you're looking over at your neighbor and pass the test. But here's the lie. There was a guy that ran away. I knew where he was at. I was only 13 years old. And I thought I was being pretty cool by not ratting on him. And I knew exactly where he was at. And the police came to the school. My parents came to the school. And I lied. I didn't know where he was at. Long story short. They found that I lied. So I was grounded for the whole summer. But back then, if you lied to the teacher, you got it from the teacher. So my teacher laid out a mat like this. And he had one of those whammo paddles made of steel. And I had to, I'll backwards this way, okay. I had to grab my ankles like this while the teacher went like this right in front of the whole classroom. Boom! And I flew on the mat ten times from the teacher. I got whopped by a teacher. And my parents are. (laughs) And the whole school was peeking through the window looking. And they knew I was a guy that could fly when I got hit by a paddle. That was for telling one lie. We feared our moms and dads. We feared our teachers. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Your relationship has to begin that way, and then it can evolve into a loving relationship. By the way, in verse 1, it says, There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. In some of your other translations, it elaborates more on that. But in the original manuscripts, it ends right there. That's why I'm reading the NLT, the New Living Translation, that there is now no condemnation to those who belong in Christ Jesus. And some say, who are not in the flesh and con- are controlled by the Spirit. It's not in the original, earliest manuscripts. Many believe that verse was added or the, that phrase was added to verse 1. So it basically says there is no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. How many times have you said that to the devil? I've said it a lot of times to the devil. Quit hounding me. Well, I want to say something about verse 2. We're not going to labor on every single verse. It says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Remember, he keeps contrasting the saved and the lost. Not a saved person who is sinning. That is not what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7 and Romans 8. Remember, we're, we're not 
trying to say and neither is the scripture trying to say. He has another point he's trying to make. He's not talking about a believer who sins. Or because he's talking about this, the believer says, oh, okay, now that I'm under grace, I can do what I want. Nobody who, who has come to know Christ as their Savior and the Holy Spirit lives in them thinks that way. We just don't think that way. But you have been set free from the power of the life-giving or the, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, let me elaborate on that. I'll say it this way by giving an illustration of the gravity and a coin. Picture a coin falling to the ground under the influence of the law of gravity. In of itself, the coin is powerless to overcome the downward pull of this earth. It is in its very nature to fail or to fall. But before it goes so far, someone reaches out an arm, holds the coin firmly in his hand, and then lifts it higher and higher in defiance of the law of gravity. You see, the law of the spirit of life in the, is the person's arm that overcomes the law of gravity. Now, this does not mean that the original law has ceased. The law of Moses has ceased. But it doesn't mean that a higher law, or it does mean that a higher law has come into force. So you think about it, the law of gravity, the coin, and now it has overcome the law. So we no longer get our instructions by the law. The law is dead to us. And there is a higher law at work. That's why we don't get our Marching orders from the law. You have been set free. The law cannot condemn you. In verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Then it goes on to say, the law cannot control you in verse 4. Scripture reads this way in verse 4. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his only son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied. Notice, fully satisfied who no longer follow our sinful nature. It's not talking about a saved person that's carnal. It's talking about those who look to the law to be saved and those who look to the law to be sanctified. But instead, follow the Spirit. So reason number one, to feel good about our freedom, we're free from judgment. Hallelujah. Free from judgment. And remember this, I, about judgment. I believe when we ask God to forgive us of our sins. Remember where he says every idle word you'll be held accountable for? I do believe when you confess your sin, you're not going to be held accountable for that. I believe what you're going to be judged on is your rewards that will either be given to you or taken from you. You don't have to fear judgment of your sin anymore. Now, like a dad, like a good dad, God said he disciplines those he loves. He is going to come after some people that he has saved, 
free them from sin and they start turning around looking back at sin, God is going to come after you. We have scripture that teaches us, especially in 1 Corinthians 11. God has taken care of that. People that believe in him and start dibble-dabbling back in the world. God will take care of you. In fact, he even said, some of you have died as a believer because you started dibble-dabbling in sin again. And you didn't listen to his loving, chastising discipline. So he takes care of that part. But reason number one to feel good, you're free from judgment and free from condemnation. Sometimes you have to just sing that and say that over and over and over again because all of us, all of us as believers still struggle with the body. All of us still struggle with the soul. Amen? All of us do. And so there's constant drip, 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 and we need to defeat the enemy with Scripture. Reason number two to feel good about our freedom, because you are victorious and there is no obligation to pay attention to your flesh. Let's look at verses 5 through 17. Again, remember, in God's eyes, there's only two kinds of people in the world. Those who belong to him and those who do not belong to him. Those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the spirit. Those are the two kinds of people that are constantly being contrasted in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Other books of the Bible talk about the struggle as a believer. 1 John talks about it. He that says he has not sinned is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if he'll confess his sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. He talks about that person in other places. But here in Romans 8, he's talking about the saved and the lost. Are we ready again? Verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the flesh. So... Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. The believer doesn't think that way. Only the unbeliever does. But by letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So when you focus on the who, not the how, he will help you renew your mind. Remember, the mind is not, sanct- excuse me, is not glorified. The body has not been glorified yet. He continues, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Key verse, it never did obey God's laws. Quit saying, I was a Christian when I was born. I've always followed God. That's not true. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. That means this body, this body, the sinful nature, it has not been glorified. Quit acting like, surprise, your body wants to sin. Surprise, your soul still wants to sin. Surprise, your feelings and your mind still want to sin. But if you're walking in the spirit, it dominates the body and the mind. He continues. So that's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. Never. The believer pleases God, but the unbeliever doesn't. So he basically reminds us they're kind of, as he goes down through this, they're kind of three levels 
of experience in this life. One is the person that does not have the Spirit of God that we just read about. And then there's the person that is under the control of the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 9. But you are not controlled, he's talking to the believer, by your sinful nature. Yes, you've sinned. Yes, you have failed God. But you're not controlled by your flesh anymore. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you're sitting here and you're listening in this morning and you're controlled by your flesh, then you don't know Jesus Christ and you have not the Spirit of God in you. That's what the Scripture teaches. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And so we, we keep trying to figure all these religious people out. We think, well, they, they said they're saved, but they're living like the devil. They're living, notice the key word, living, not living for Jesus. And oh, by the way, they sin. It's a big, big difference. And so he continues, and Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, remember, it hasn't been glorified yet, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So he's going to continue to tell us that you have the Holy Spirit but does the Spirit of God have you? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in with you. That's future tense. Now verse 12, you kind of got to scratch your head and go, does this, okay, I know the Spirit's living in me, but does the Spirit have you? Remember, you can live from victory to victory. There's no obligation to please the flesh. But there's an obligation to please Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. Again, he's not talking about the believer. He's talking about those who look to the law to deliver them. Look to the law to live sanctimoniously. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, notice the contrast, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I know, you know that you're a child of God because the Holy Spirit testifies in you. You belong to him, and that's why you're so miserable when you try to go back living like you used to live. The Holy Spirit is also the spirit of adoption. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 15. We have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. You've been adopted in the family of God. Kind of reminds me of these 
two brothers that were talking. And the one brother goes, well, I'm thankful I'm not you because I was not adopted. <laughs> he goes, turns around to his other brother and said, yeah. You see, I was adopted, but they were forced to love you. You see, you've been adopted into the family of God. He chose to love you. There is no need for a believer to feel defeated. You can yield your body to the spirit and by faith overcome the old nature. Most of us on a regular basis, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month, year by year, live victoriously. Oh, yes, if you... If, if, if you think of a, a highway and the little potholes, we got a couple we need to fill in out there. I, I think of kind of my life as I journey toward heaven. Yes, it's been a clear road that I belong to God, but you would see a lot of craters in those, in, in, uh, on the road. And that's kind of how I think about the Christian life. Yes, yes, we've sinned because the Bible tells us as believers he that says he has not sinned is a liar, and he's talking to believers, and the truth is not in you. So he's talking about someone who has the Holy Spirit in them. Quit being fixated on sin. That's what Romans 7 was all about, our preoccupation with sin. Again, I remind you, if I tell you there is a pink elephant in the room, please don't think about that. Please don't think there's a pink elephant in the room. What will you think about? Please don't jump on the couch, Weston or Dallin. Please don't jump on the couch. What do they want to do? I've watched them. I mean, they go through this mental gymnastics. I'm, in, I'm a rebel against you. See, they're, 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 they know they're acting out their real person before they get saved. And they want to do just the opposite, and so do you and me. So don't be fixated on sin. Again, Paul is saying, don't be preoccupied with sin. Focus your eyes on Jesus Christ. So, the real reason to feel free is there's freedom from condemnation and freedom, there's no obligation to the flesh. You must consider your flesh dead. Don't pay any attention to it. We spend a lot of money paying attention just to our feet. I look at the shoes that you girls have, but now it's not just the girls. Who it is? The guys. You know how many pair of tennis shoes Jacob has? No, I'm just, I just teasing Jacob. <laughs> now it's caused me to want to buy a lot of tennis shoes, too. He's rubbing off on me. I didn't wear my tennis shoes today on purpose, Jacob, because I just bought a pair. <laughs> okay, the third reason as we wind up to feel free is there's really no frustration, even though there is sorrow and pain in this life. Let's look at what the scripture teaches us about this, that we should not be discouraged. We're free from being discouraged and free from being frustrated. Notice in verse 18, we're talking about future glory. Okay, you suffer, you hurt, and, and you get discouraged, and you're frustrated about what's going on all around you. I've gotten a little frustrated, but it hasn't dominated me. So you and me know what to do to keep from being frustrated. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So he talks about kind of three different frustrations. You have creation, you have the believer, and you have the Holy Spirit that are groaning. But it's a different type of groaning. 
So here we go. For all of creation is waiting, waiting eagerly. You see, they're not discouraged because they know the battle's been won. They know the promise of God that a future day when God will reveal who his children really are. So quit trying to figure it out. Believers, quit being pharisaical and using your standard, the law, to judge everybody. Well, they can't be saved because of, forget that. I just make a beeline for Jesus. And if I don't see Jesus, then I just, I don't see Jesus. That's it. For all of creation is eagerly waiting for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day. The creation does. I think our, our naturalists and evolutionists have one thing going for them. What's that? The earth is alive. But it doesn't have the same kind of heartbeat that we have. The same kind of wisdom and intelligence that we have. But the Bible teaches us. It's waiting. It's waiting for that day. It's waiting for that day when they will be delivered from the curse. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been there. It is groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So it's, he's teaching us why we can not be frustrated even though there's suffering around us, because like a woman in labor. By the way, I think this morning, I don't think, I didn't see Matt and Ava here. I think they're at their daughter's bedside. They're about ready to deliver a child. So she went in there way ahead of time, and they had to start it. She wasn't already 15, 20 centimeters wide. Okay, started almost from zero. And there's a long, it's going to be a long, we, we've been through that with our children. It's going to be, with our grandchildren, it's been, it's going to be a long, long haul, okay? That's what he's talking, but that's the illustration he uses. I'm not making them own, that's what Paul uses. It, but they're not discouraged because they know it's going to produce something joyous, a child. A child, and God is teaching you and me. He said, if you believe in me, you will suffer with me. So don't be discouraged. You are victorious even over suffering, even over pain. Then he says, you groan. Yes, I know some of you are groaning because of the weight of sin in this world. Notice, not only does the Holy Spirit groan, but we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies that we spend so much time on grooming. Why are you doing that? He's going to just go ahead and let your body, let it go, so to speak. Because he's, you're going to get a glorified one. I mean, I like what this one pastor said, you know, my, my congregation is, you know, I've been around a long time. He said, you used to look really good. But your body is aging. So why are we spending so much time and energy on our bodies when we're going to get a glorified body? We have, especially people who are in pain and are hurting, 
you know, with physical handicaps, mental handicaps, they probably look forward to way, way more than you and me do. But if we look forward to something we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And then it tells us a third person that's groaning. The creation, we as believers, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, that's a time. Many times I don't know how to pray for you, but the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Just a comment. I always tell people we're a full gospel church. That means we believe the gospel, the full gospel, and nothing but the gospel. And so if someone speaks with groanings by themselves, leave your groaning out of the church and leave it for the bedroom. So if you're going to groan with the Holy Spirit, that's what the scripture says, a private language, go ahead. But if you're going to groan in church with a private language, what does the scripture teach? There needs to be an interpreter. And if you go to a church where everybody's groaning out loud, what does the Bible say? Someone's going to come in and think you're cuckoo. That's what the scripture teaches. So if the Holy Spirit, I believe in that private, I've never, I've never prayed in a private prayer language. I've groaned by myself. But I've not really groaned in front of the church and spoke a language that you don't know. If you speak a language I don't know, we don't know, someone needs to interpret. So we are a full gospel church. We believe in groaning in the Holy Spirit. But here it's talking about the Holy Spirit going to bat for you when we don't know how to pray. And there are many times I don't know how to pray and you don't know how to pray. And so the Holy Spirit prays for you. And then Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. Yeah, the Father, the Son, the Father that's listening, Jesus sitting at the right hand of God interceding for you. And then you have the Holy Spirit groaning for you. Let's continue. It says, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. He knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I like that part, his own will. And we know that God, here's the part. Why you don't need to feel defeated. You've been set free. You are victorious. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Here's the key. Here's the key of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's the key. For God knows or knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, and so that the son would be the firstborn among many believers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. So there's no condemnation. You're free. Remember that. There's no frustration at all with those who believe in Jesus Christ, and there's no obligation. You're free, real freedom. There's no condemnation. There's no obligation, and there's no frustration when we realize what's going on around us because we realize the victory's been won. And the last thing is our team comes up this morning to lead us in our time of invitation. Reason number four to feel real freedom, freedom from fear that there is no separation from God. No separation. 
Let's look at that. Verse 31. No separation. There is no condemnation because we share the righteousness of God. The law cannot condemn us. There is no obligation because we have the Spirit of God who enables us to overcome the flesh and live for God. And there is no frustration because we share the glory of God, the blessed hope of Christ's return. Now there is no separation because we've experienced the love of God. As Romans 8.35 says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Let's read it. What shall we say then in verse 31 about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son while we were sinners, but gave him up for us all. Since he did that, he gave us his best. Won't he give us his less than best? That's what it's saying here. Won't he also give us everything else? Now, who dare accuses us? Who dare accuses us? So in verse 31, there's no separation because God is for us, not against us. Then we learn in verse 32, God died for us, Romans chapter 5. We've been justified. The penalty of sin has been paid in full. This is why we rejoice in our freedom. And then verse 33 reminds us and reiterates that. Who dare accuses us whom God has chosen for his very own. No one for God himself has given us the right standing with himself. That's while you were sinners. And then in verse 34 he intercedes for us even when we mess up. In verse 34, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. So God is for us. God died for us. He justified us and he's interceding for us. But there's one more thing. He loves us. Beginning in verse 35 through 39 as we end. Can anything ever separate, this is an ongoing debate. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? That's the question posed. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Some people want to add in, oh, but what about sin? What about sin? He already told you, you can't sustain yourself by listening to the law and looking at the law or looking at your tertiosity or your religiosity or your rules and regulations. You can't do it. It's impossible. You are now married to Christ. You've died to the law. You can't do it. He sustains you. Trust me. If you get out of line, he'll get you back in line. And if you don't want to get in line, he'll pull you out of line and take you home. That's what the scripture teaches very clearly. So he loves you. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. This is one of the reasons why we shout real freedom, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons who try to make you lie, cheat, steal, Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. 
No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able, nothing in creation, nothing in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what real freedom is all about. Will you give God the praise for what he has done? Now, his word. His word has been proclaimed and it goes out. That's what you get when you become a part of Victory Life Church. Is the word is spoken. It is read. And the Holy Spirit is at work in all of us. If you're here today or you're looking in online and you are in bondage to sin, and many of us remember what that's like, call on the Lord like all of us had to and admit that you're a sinner and in bondage to sin. Just ask him. He'll forgive you. That's why he sent his only begotten son. He said, whoever believes in him will never perish but has everlasting life. Call on him. Believe in him. Confess him. And you will have passed from death unto life now. You don't wait until then. Would you stand with me at this time? Of course, if you made that profession of faith and you're listening in online, please write in the comment section. Put tag there and tell us what we can pray for you about or a decision that you've made, and we will get back with you this week. Of course, today, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, this whole service is not about the lost. It's about the believer's relationship with God. But we do know when the word is spoken that God may be working on you, and the Holy Spirit's tugging at you right now saying, give it up give it up. Don't resist him. If you keep resisting him, guess what might happen? You want that? Okay. I will no longer bug you about eternity, about judgment, about the second death, about hell. I won't bother you anymore. And that's why you see people running around this planet like they have no fear because they've rejected their day of salvation. So if you're here today, please we beg you, make that decision to follow Jesus today. We'll be praying up front, up front, not just for that, but for other things in the church, in our community, in our nation. We want to invite you to continue to worship God through song and through prayer. Would you come as God leads you? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.